The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Welcome into an you know what? It, it's the state of Iowa's perfect week. Perhaps you're listening to this after games that had already happened. Uh, but as of last week, the state of Iowa, men's and women's basketball programs between Iowa State, Drake, you and I, Iowa, 14-0 last week. And so, you know, this is kicking it. We're kicking ass. That's what we're doing, Grant Mahoney. Taking well, names. Or just, just kicking ass. Why do you take names? Why, do, why does one take names? And it's also, it feels like you're, you should take names and then kick ass, right? Like, because it yeah. comes, it sort of feels like it comes in, or you're like coming in guns ablazing, but you're not really sure where the guns need to be ablazing to, versus like, I'm just going to kick somebody's ass, then I'm going to figure out whose ass I'm supposed to kick. Well, I think that's more of like a uh, kick your ass, write your name down, kick your ass, write your name down. Oh, so it's like a ledger, like a win, a win-loss ledger. Sure. Got it. Yeah. Um so we're uh, kicking it, and uh, we are in the virtual Wild Rose Casino Studios, which is uh, not to, to say that we're not in the nice, warm confines, well-controlled sound and backgrounds of Wild Rose Casino Studios because it's negative 1,000 for the 16th day in a row. Uh, for those of you listening in Florida, Tahiti, have a, just go outside with your shirt off. I don't even care why. Just just do it. Uh, we are brought to you by Kelderman, Manuf- Kelderman Manufacturing, as always. Uh, at this point now, you got nothing better to do than go to Kelderman.com. And what else are you going to do at home? You've been you've been inside for five straight days. You're going to be inside for five more days. There's no reason not to go to Kelderman.com just to see what they have. Maybe it interests you. Maybe it doesn't. Just go check it out. Yeah, I agree. And I um, I, good I ad, Grant. Have, Appreciate that. I well, I don't have any more uh, to add to the ads. I just wanted to apologize to the fans, or do I want to apologize for making such a stupid prediction? Um, but if uh, our loyal listeners haven't noticed, usually when I make a prediction, the opposite happens. So I know what I'm doing. Well, now now you you called out the jinx. So like the jinx isn't a jinx anymore if you call out the jinx. Is that how so that does it still a jinx? So now do you have to unjinx the jinx by saying, no, that jinx isn't real. So I can. Jeff Gripes. Jeff Gripes. So it's kicking ass and taking names. It's in the wrong order. You need to take names and then kick ass because otherwise you're indiscriminately kicking ass. And then two is uh, the jinx. When you call out a jinx, the jinx becomes not a jinx. So you have to unjinx, unjinx the jinx. You can't I guess we'll stamp. find out. You can't triple stamp we'll a double stamp. Out. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. I, I guess we'll find out because I'm predicting Iowa State to beat. Uh, no, I'm predicting them to lose to BYU. Um, 71 to 69. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um it's sort of like you just that's what she said in your own statement um so uh we are, the cyclone fanatic podcast network is brought to you by or is fueled by cody road um we are going to get right into the interview that we we normally have the goldfinch athletics interview today uh is ari temkin he is the host of big 12 radio on sirius xm you know just big 12 radio on sirius xm from 7 to 10 in the morning he's with former Iowa State quarterback and current radio voice of the the Atlanta Falcons, Dave Archer. Uh, we we recorded it before this intro. It's good. You can tell this guy, he, he's a professional talker. Yeah, he was fun. He, he's good. Uh, 
before we get into Ari, the uh, Goldfinch Athletics thing I want to spotlight. So if you're listening to this this week, um, next week is when we start our Des Moines Public Schools program. So it's on Wednesday and Thursday nights. Uh, go to DMs or Des Moines dmschools.edu uh click on community education find goldfinch speed it is it's a free program it's what we do for all of our athletes whether it's college athletes all the way down to elementary school kids and this program is kind of free to you so it starts next week as of the time of this recording there's still spots available there are at least 25 kids signed up for the junior high program and there are at least 15 kids signed up for the elementary school program so the more the merrier we have enough coaches to handle it it's going to be it's fun time so if you're in the des moines school district it is a free service to you no matter where you're coming from you just have to be able to get to central campus on wednesdays and or thursdays depending on how old you or your child are so yeah check it out everybody not. Without further ado, let's dive into the interview. <laughs> Ari Temkin, everybody. Check it! So now we're going to welcome in Ari Temkin. Uh, he is with Sirius XM Big 12 Radio. You're going to catch him every morning from really early until not quite as early. Um, <laughs> Ari, welcome, man. <laughs> not that early. Some shows start like 5.30 or 6, so we're 7 to 10, so not terribly early. Very conveniently early, I like to say. Appropriately early. And you do actually early. you do actually host the show with a former Cyclone, with Dave Archer. So Did he play at Iowa State? Is that where he played? I don't know what you're talking about. He's, he had never mentioned it before. I thought I was show. doing – this whole time I thought I was doing the show with Seneca Wallace. <laughs> they <laughs> – I think their game is a little different. Dave Archer and Seneca Wallace is just a little different playing style. Um, so it's fun when we get like national guys on and w- just to get a perspective on stuff that we're kind of seeing from Iowa State's side and like the most recent news in Big 12 land, we can just kind of dive right into it, is the fact that Jed Fish went from Arizona to Washington. Lance Leipold was linked to that job. Matt Campbell was linked to that job. Chris Kleiman Brian was linked Ferris. to that job. I don't think Brian. I don't think Brian made the. I don't think he made the list. Short list. He's, he's on the short list to Arizona. Replaced Jed in Arizona. They want to go. They want to go way backwards. Hey, you have the high scoring offense. Hey, Zig. Well, everybody zags. You know that's what right? it's all about. So one of the things about like looking at the new Big Twelve, when Texas and Oklahoma leave. Those two teams, depending on the year, one of them is going to be really good in football and kind of like you have to overcome that 800-pound gorilla to become the champion. Well, when when they leave, there's it doesn't feel like there's one team that's kind of the dominant team that's no. that you have to overcome. And the 12-team playoff expanding. When, you, when I see Jed Fish go to Washington, in my head, obviously the money is going to be probably better, but in my head, he just got a harder job. You know, because you're now in the Big Ten against Ohio State and Michigan and USC and uh, Penn State and all those guys. And, yeah, you're going to get three or four teams from the Big Ten as, like, conference champ and a couple at-larges to the playoff. But wouldn't it be easier to be Arizona or an Iowa State in this new Big 12? So, like, that's one of the things that I'm – like, looking through this coaching cycle with the 12-team playoff, Am are we crazy up here for thinking that the Big 12 isn't, like, a good Big 12 job – is a better job than an average SEC or Big Ten job. I, I think we used to live in a world where it was pretty obvious what the motivations for coaches were. And, you know, and it tracked. You know, I mean, most coaches 
wanted to work their way up the pecking order and they wanted to be at the premier universities and they wanted to, you know, they aspired to get there. I don't know that we live in a world now that you could obviously define what every single coach or administrator's goals and priorities are. I mean, you know, we could talk about Matt Campbell and all the different overtures he's had over the years and, and, you know, and the importance that Jamie Pollard and he have talked about being, you know, in line in lockstep, the importance of, of, of cohesion amongst administrator and, and coach. I think there's a lot of that going on right now with Lance Leipold and Travis Goff at Kansas, which is huge because obviously that's been a program from a football perspective. That's been basically awful. an FCS awful. level. Yeah. Just I mean, an, F- awful. an FCS level program playing in the big 12 for a decade. So, so the fact that now it appears that Leipold has at least gotten some opportunities potentially to at least interview and, and hasn't taken on those, those jobs. He was linked to the Washington job. We'll never know how close he got. And look, these coaches do what they can in order to leverage these situations for, for more money and more power. And so that that's, if Leipold got close or didn't, that's, that's what he's doing in this situation. So I, I just think motivations are different now. You're, you're absolutely right. And so much has changed with the landscape of college athletics and college football right now because of the 12-team playoff, because of NIL, because of the transfer portal. There's a lot of different factors at play here that I think are going to change a lot of this sport over the next decade. And a lot of this we can expect, and some of this we won't be able to tell. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, it, it's everybody's motivations are different. And, and it's no longer a world in which coaches are constantly aspiring to get to you know, Washington and Alabama and Ohio State. And some are. Some are, and some will always aspire to that, but not everybody. And and it's and and there's a bunch of reasons for that, I think, now. You know, one thing that, that Campbell always says is you're either trying to do something or be somebody, um, which I think is straight out of the book, Ego is the Enemy. Decent book, read it. Um, was that just a, a brag about reading a book? <laughs> yes. You read one book in the last eight years. That, was no, that, that, was one of, that was one of the – that was one of the six books that I finished last year. I had a goal of 12 and I finished six in the first six months and then zero in the last six yeah, months. My master is correct. Anyway, yeah. ego is um, the enemy. It sounds yeah, like, a, enemy. Sounds, ego sounds is like a the book enemy. that Matt Campbell wrote actually. <laughs> yeah. Very much. So. He has a lot of, a lot of, you know, quotes from books. Cause I think he, you know, gives the team a book to, to read. Also, yeah, if you want to if, if you want to know what Matt Campbell is going to say at his next press conference, read Atomic Habits or Ego is the Enemy or Extreme Ownership. Those three books, whatever those books more or less indicate, that's what you want. Anyway, continue. Yeah, so I, that, that, that's kind of my stance. So when, when I saw, you know, Matt Campbell's name you know, linked to the to the Washington job, I was like, no, that's not. Right, right. No, he just, he just you know, he's going he's gonna to be linked to almost any, you know, opening uh, that there is. Um, his, agent is, on, his agent is going to link him to anyone because his agent has to do that in order to get him as much money as possible. But yeah, I think at this point, it'd be sort of silly for Matt Campbell to take on another job when he said no to so many other opportunities over the years, especially a job as far-fetched as Washington. Yeah. And I, I think Campbell's agent is him. Um, yeah, that's a good oh, yeah, point. He doesn't, he doesn't have that's a great, that's a great point. Matt. That's a, that's a great point. He does represent himself. You're right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, kind of thinking back on Jeff's question though. Um, the big 12 is pretty much wide open now. I, I think Arizona was going to be one of the, one of the favorites to yeah. potentially win the league next year. And they now, were fun you know, like to watch Arizona prior to them leaving. They were a fun team. Like they're Oklahoma leaves, Arizona comes in. It's the same team. Like it is a team that's going to be way up and down on defense and just zip the ball around all over the place on offense. But yeah, 
Arizona is fun. Was past tense. One, you, you got to think too that you know you, you see the the exodus. You know, with the transfer portal, as soon as a coach leaves, you see the guys of Washington leaving. Alabama guys were leaving. You got to think that some of Arizona's top players are going to leave too. So, will Arizona take a step back? I don't know. I guess Ari, one of the questions I want to ask you is: It's tough to predict the future, but of this wide open Big Twelve, you know, who do you see can be some contenders um, that could potentially contend to win the Big Twelve next year? Yeah, I mean, Noah Fafita in Arizona last year were so good, and they brought back virtually, you know, that entire offense. So it'll be interesting to see how much of that offense goes to Washington. My guess is Fafita will. Um, and that, you know, he was such a huge part of their success last year as a true freshman. You know, this league is going to continue to be a league of parity. You know, I think we we wonder, will there be another Oklahoma or Texas in this league? And I just don't see it. You know, I... I I think what we've seen is what we're going to continue to see. I mean, Kansas State, go back and look at the history here of K-State under, you know, obviously Bill Snyder. And then now with Chris, with Chris Kleiman, especially in the, you know, the second iteration, the, the post-Ron Prince, Bill Snyder era, where he got it back going again. And now Chris Kleiman, like you, you, you'll be hard pressed to find as consistent of a winner across college football, Oklahoma State, nobody's won, you know, Nick Saban's won at a ridiculous level. And, and aside from the championships, Nobody's won more than Mike Gundy, and they've kind of, you know, leveled off. And I'm not trying to say they've they've hit their ceiling, but it's just hard, I think, for any of these programs that have had sustained success to sustain it at a level that is going to allow for four and five star recruiting consistently. You know, we talk about it all the time when it comes to Iowa State and K State and Oklahoma State, and I mean, the, we're all developmental programs in this conference. This is not going to be a conference that's going to get four and five star recruits consistently. I think. What you do have is in Sonny Dykes and, and you know, and, and Matt Rule has even talked about this to a lesser degree, but Sonny Dykes certainly has. You know, when you're at, at, at you know, TCU and Baylor and Texas Tech, you're not going to get the five and four stars out of the state of Texas, but you can potentially get them on the return if they go to an Alabama, Texas, Ohio State, they don't like it, whatever, and they want to return. I think UCF has a similar advantage <coughs> in terms of the three stars, the fours and fives in terms of transfer portal when it comes to the, you know, Florida kids too. I, I do think Iowa State and Kansas and K-State benefit a little bit from that from Texas. And certainly when you look at the successes that these programs have had in this conference, it's been recruiting the state. But I, I think when we talk about like the, 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 you know, the behemoths in this conference, Oklahoma, Texas, what we're really talking about is the big time recruiting giants and juggernauts. I think there's going to be one-offs with teams recruiting at a high level in this conference and maybe Dion comes in and recruits at a high level because of the history that he has and in, in this region. But that's where I think it's going to continue to be a league of parity because I think it's just a developmental league. And so that's going to go in cycles in terms of the development of players overall for this conference when it comes to the talent level. I just don't see any teams they're going to get and consistently be recruiting four and five star recruits like Texas Row U was. I think this makes the conference there. great. Yeah, and it's going to be fun, and I think that's what's nice, What's but kind of the pro and con of it, depending on how they set up the playoff and who votes and whatever. You're going to have, like, four, nine, and three teams, you know? Like, you're not going to have anybody that's 11 and one, or if, if you do, like I said, it's going to be a one-off. It's going to be when Max Duggan and Quentin Johnston and, you know, Kendra Miller, that TCU team, they're going to go one-off, or maybe Whittingham with Utah, they get one that goes right. one off or Malzahn starts to get UCF now in the big 12 and they go one off or whatever, but it doesn't feel like you're going to have a, two or three teams that are just consistently at the top, like you're saying, but the downside, there's no turds. 
Like there is zero turds in this conference. And Arizona State would be the one that you'd think like as they're coming in sort of over the last 10 years or so, that's been pretty bad. Houston's been pretty bad, but you get the new coaching staff. Houston was coming from Tulane. They're going to be better right. uh, than Dane Holgerson. Then UCF's going to be better. BYU can, always has, they have the pick of the litter with their particular recruiting style. And I mean, there's no teams where they're just going to be Kansas in 2013 or Iowa state in 2015, you know, like they're just going to, there's a whole lot of pretty good teams. No Vanderbilt's. There's no Vanderbilt's. There's no Vanderbilt's. Um, totally. So with, uh, like with the coaching staff, kind of coaching staffs moving around, is there, okay. So coaching staffs moving around. Well, and by the way, Grant, I didn't really answer Grant's question in terms of like the favorites next year. I kind of you don't have to answer Grant's questions. You don't have to answer Grant's questions, but I mean, I, Kansas, Iowa state, you know, certainly with, with the young team they had and what they bring back, Kansas brings back a ton, you know, Arizona probably would have been in the mix, you know, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma State obviously should be there. Um, Will Dion ever be a threat? Yeah, Colorado. Yeah, I think I think he's a fraud. So I mean, the problem was the the expectations got so out of whack because of the because of the TCU game. I, I think a lot of people had reasonable expectations that Colorado wasn't going to be very good the, last year, and and the problem was they beat TCU and suddenly the expectations changed pretty dramatically. I, I mean. Dion, you know, what Jeff Woody could sit here and tell us what goes into winning, right? It's not just putting together a bunch of talented players and, and rolling the ball out there and, and winning, right? I mean, there's there's substance and and cohesion and unity and camaraderie and things that are really important to winning that, you know, it's just not about like, look at me, look at me, look at all I can do if I'm Shudor Sanders, right? Like there's a team element here, here needed. I, I have no doubt that he's going to recruit at a high level and especially given he's back, you know, in DFW and that footprint where he's got a lot of good contacts and He'll he'll be able to get if anybody in this conference can get four or five stars consistently, it should be Dion. But then it comes down to the stuff that you know you you can that is important to winning teams, and you can win. I think at Jackson State with a team full of talent, I think you can win at that level doing that. I don't know that you can win at this level with you know just a team full of talent. I think there's a chemistry camaraderie piece that's important to it. I mean, there is. We know that there is. The uh, Jeff, yeah, I agree. I think the thing I was going to get with coaches. And this is sort of the jetfish. And then this is I, sort of we can pivot to basketball because this is sort of like in the heat of starting the heat of basketball season. But one of the things that uh, so William, Chris Williams and, and Brent Bloom talked about on their Sunday pod. Uh, but I don't think th there is one thing that that I thought just didn't quite like discuss the, the ramifications of it at some point in the next 12 to 18 months, because even the NCAA la the middle of football season mentioned that they're kicking around or pursuing what it would look like feasibility for uh, the universities to pay players as employees, qualified as employees. If that's the case, the economics of the entire thing change completely. Yeah. Because so like this is the way that I kind of describe it. I don't know if you see, see things the same way. So back in like Woody Hayes, Bo Schembechler days back in the 70s and 80s, their coaching contracts are 300 grand, which nowadays is what, like a million dollars, which that's the high end of the spectrum. And right. so now yeah, like, 300 grand is like a positional coach now. Yeah. Or even a million dollars. It's a D it's a coordinator. And so right. you have this, you, you put a water balloon on a spigot and then you turn the water on 
and you put no restrictions on where that balloon fills up, it fills up evenly in all directions. The NCAA did not do that. What they said is that you can't pay players, but they never turned the spigot off. So all the money and the con- the TV money, the contracts, uh, the the boosters that get put on because of the TV money, all this money kept pouring in, but they said they, they put their hands around the balloon and said, you can't pay the players. And so what happens is then you have this bulging of that water balloon abnormally in multiple directions. And so to me, those directions are coaches' salaries and facilities where you have, you know, facilities that are brand new every six years and they're $50 million and coaches are getting paid. I bet Je- I can talk about Jed Fish. I bet Jed Fish's contract is worth $9 million. Okay. I imagine Washington, when they then have to also add player salaries, is going to look at that like, ah, oh, shit, we really overpaid on this one. So it feels like when the the paying the players' hands come off of that water balloon, the rest of there's going to be some turmoil when that balloon kind of wiggles itself back into place. But coaches' salaries are going to come down, facilities are going to come down, and paying the players is going to even everything out. So then a good coach's salary is four million dollars as opposed to ten million dollars. I don't know if that's like there's no real question, but like. There was just a, a thought that I had just looking at all these coaches changes that are getting paid $10 million. It feels like that is very quickly going to be coming to an end because the economics of the sport won't really allow for it when everybody becomes employees. I think it's a great point. And I know, I don't know that I ever thought about it that way from the standpoint of like an entire economy manifested itself out of thin air. And one of the largest expenses of that set economy wasn't accounted for, which is paying the players. So like suddenly all there's all these resources and money going in and coming out and allocated in different places. And it's like, well, we never allocated money to go to the players because we never were going to pay the players. And now suddenly like, well, we don't have any money to pay the players. What do you mean you don't have any money to pay the players? (laughs) You 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 absolutely (laughs) just take four off the top from Jimbo Fisher's buyout and you got a little bit to pay the players. Well, and to your point, like it has created this ridiculous market for coaches where they then get to re-up. And like, you know, I was talking about this the other day when Sark leveraged the Alabama opening for, for a, you know, an extension. It's like, I understand it, right? Like you're going to give Sark an extension now, but like at what point do you need to go like 15 years, 10 years, five years? Like how many under contract through like 2032 now? I th- I want to say it was like, it was like he had like three years left. So, okay. So sure. Like add another, t- like at what point, like how many years are you saying to recruits that he's going to be here long-term without being like, why, why on earth would you lock it up for 15 years? Because old, like what, what we've seen is that they're like, those deals don't work out. They don't, they do not work out period. Like, so, it, it, and you're right. I mean, it, it's, it's like this business that exists that spent all this money and suddenly they're like, well, where do you want us to get the money to pay for these guys from? Well, uh, I mean, <laughs> show you us should, your pocket. You, you know, should like, have had it in the first place, guys. Well, the extensions so the, don't always necessarily mean that the coaches are going to stay there, too. You saw that Kellen DeBoer just signed, you know, he signed an extension at Washington, and then boop. Yeah, they're for, talking about Jim Harbaugh, man. like he's got like a $100 million deal in front of him for, for 10 years. And it's like, that's not, that's a one year deal at 10 million or 12 and a half million. Yeah. Cause they just keep every year, it's a new deal. <laughs> yeah. It's, it also is amazing to me. I don't know who I mentioned Jimbo Fisher. I don't know who Jimbo Fisher's agent is, but that dude needs a raise. Like he probably already doesn't need a raise because he's already just getting paid out the hand over foot. So Jimbo Fisher, for those that aren't super sure, uh, Jimbo Fisher was a coach at Texas A&M, and they wanted to fire Jimbo Fisher after him being above average but not great. So 
they fire Jimbo Fisher, but most of the time contract buyouts are offset by the amount that you gain at your next job. So if you're due to pay me $7 million next year, but I get a job in TV, I'm Jimmy Johnson, and I get a job making $3 million at Fox, well, now you only have to pay me $4 million. So it's like there's a, there, I don't remember the exact language in it. This right. is con- so the contract offset. Jimbo's doesn't have that. Doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter what he makes. So they pay his buyout was, I think, $76 million with no contract offset. So he could go make, take a job doing anything else he wants TV, coaching, uh, selling cocaine. It doesn't matter. He could make $10 billion as an, as an angel investor with a VC startup and still have to get paid whatever it is, $8 million a year from Texas A&M, come hell or high water, they have to give him his money. Like that contract will not exist in three years. No well, one's going to do that. What's crazy is A&M can afford it. Like that's that's the craziest part is that A&M and Texas are just on a different level than everybody else because they, like that money, the the 90 some odd million they needed to, to pay out Brian, uh, Jimbo Fisher, like they, they found that in the couch cushions. And here's the crazy part. Texas A&M has all the money in the world, and their athletic director, Ross Bjork, just left to go to Ohio State, who is a really good program, but they don't have near nearly as much money as Texas A&M has in terms of, like, getting all the boosters and all the people who, who give. Texas A&M has more money than Texas. They have more money than anybody else. And that they're such a bad pro- program <laughs> that Ross Bjork's like, I'd rather be at Ohio State. I don't know. I just, I, I just don't want to be here. I don't know where it is. I just don't want to be here. <laughs> I just don't want to be here. Oh, man. Speaking of money, Kansas basketball, eh? Uh, (laughs) I can't help it. Um, So with so basketball season started, what are your immediate reactions? Now, granted, we're only like three, four, four games max three. I think three games in. What are your kind of reactions generally about the conference or any teams in particular? You know, Iowa State included or not included. Yeah, I mean, we saw. Kansas lose midweek to UCF in Orlando. And that's a, a program that looked to be certainly the bottom feeder of the big 12 this year in basketball. So that was surprising. I, I think, you know, at first blush, it's like the same thing we say about football where there's like no really bad team or really off night is true at basketball, but Oklahoma state and UCF appear to be those teams, but then UCF obviously went and beat Kansas midweek this, this past week. So maybe it's just Oklahoma state, but like look at Houston. Okay. Houston rarely lost games in the American Athletic Conference. This is a top-flight college basketball program. They've lost now back-to-back games in the Big 12 with Texas Tech up this week at Texas Tech. So with a chance to win Ooh. three straight games. Ooh. This is Kelvin Sampson said at Big 12 Media Days, he's like, you, know, you, you think about like the basketball conferences being like a dog park. He's like, in the American Athletic Conference, you're walking around, there's some poodles, there's some shih tzus around. He's like, this dog park, it's only Rottweilers and pit bulls and German shepherds. And he's right. I mean, he's so it's like a great example of this is life in the Big 12 now. Houston was number two in the country last week. And when the, you know, at some point today, Monday, the top 25 is going to come out and Houston will have dropped out of the top five because they've lost two games this week. So, um, you know, I, I still think Kansas, Houston, Baylor are the elite of the elite. And I think, I mean, look, I, what Iowa State's done the last couple of years is nothing short of a miracle considering how bad their offense has been. So they finally seem to have an offense. It was like football and basketball could not figure out how to put anything together resembling offense. Oh, you're telling then, us. 
And now they figured it out suddenly. In basketball, and Rocco Beck figured it out in football for some reason. Um, and I mean, in basketball, it's it's they're fun to watch now. Uh, and when they mix in that elite defense, you know, they're as good as anybody. So I think like you know, Houston, Baylor, Kansas, just because they're on that upper tier because they've been there before, kind of thing. And then yeah, I mean, Iowa State, TCU, Texas Tech, probably in that next tier of teams that are you know certainly elite and and you think can be Final Four teams potentially. Hell of a week for TCU. They beat number nine Oklahoma, which I think they're overrated, but they were number nine uh, regardless. Right. And then they beat Houston. Um, well, yeah, the heels of the Kansas game last Saturday that some think was controversial. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Houston could be looking on the, the barrel too. They're, they're, I mean, they're playing Texas Tech. They could be looking on the barrel being one and three. Right. Um, so welcome to the Big 12. Welcome to the Big Boy League. Um, well, and, and here's to- the other thing too is what what we what is true today will not be true tomorrow. And that, that's obviously true. It's across sports, but like, man, you, you want to really be playing good basketball in February because it's just, it's just tough to th- these teams ebb and flow. You're going to go through stretches. Kansas is not playing great basketball right now, but that doesn't mean they're, you know, they're not going to be elite team come February, March. And I think the same is true for a lot of these teams. We, we don't really know much about them. We're going to learn a little bit about them in the next few weeks, but we still won't know much about them at all in terms of their ceiling. This might be an outrageous question. Um, Maybe a silly question. I'm, I'm kind of a silly guy, though. Uh, I asked it last week on the podcast. Would would winning the Big 12 Conference be more impressive than winning the national championship? No. <laughs> Take it from a Kansas guy who's won a ton of Big 12 Conference championships, but not nearly as many national championships. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fair. It's impressive. And look, I mean, it, you know, Iowa, Iowa State's won some, especially when it comes to the Big 12 Tournament Championship. You know, they're all impressive in their own right, no doubt. But, and I guess I'm speaking from a Kansas fan's perspective, you know, Big, big 12 championships ain't no thing, you know. We can appreciate oh, that. Yeah, sure. I get it. Yeah, whatever. I, that's fine. <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah, I just, so I just checked the uh, AP Top 25. There are, because it just came out, I think, an hour ago at the time of this recording. There are eight teams in the Top 25 that are from the Big 12. Give wow. them to us, Jeff. Kansas, number three. Houston, number five. Baylor, number nine. Uh, Oklahoma number 15, TCU number 19, BYU number 20, Iowa State number 24, Texas Tech number 25. Nice. That's that's a lot of respect there for, for the Big 12 because Iowa State and Texas Tech haven't really played too many difficult games. With all and respect, guys. Texas, Texas is in a receiving votes as well. So nine of the 14 teams in the Big 12 are either receiving votes or are ranked. And Texas was 25th and lost at West Virginia, who looked like the worst team in the Big 12. So goes to show you, again, the strength of the Big 12. You lose to arguably the worst team in the conference on the road and at 25 and still get re- votes. Says a lot. Conference is good. And again, I mean, like, what's true today? I, 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 you know, Texas looks bad, but can they fix it and get their front court going again? Their front court's not healthy. Caden Chedrick's out and DeSue is, is kind of in and out of the lineup. Like, they get they get healthy. Texas could be a team that's that's elite. We still don't know much about Iowa State, too, so we do. I, I, but I think they're just scratching the surface of their potential. I'm not just well, saying I, that. I said long. that last yeah. week. I, I made a I made a, a dumb prediction, which actually was reverse psychology, and they end up winning. I thought Iowa State was going to lose to Houston. But I had said last week, I was like, I don't know how good Iowa State is because they played the worst um, non-conference schedule in America, like top three worst. Right. Um, and then they come out, and they have a chance to, to beat Oklahoma. Didn't play very well lose to Oklahoma and then I was like you know I, I think they might lose by 12 to Houston and then I might just make predictions like that the entire season Jeff we're gonna lose <laughs> every game no, 
No just chance they beat BYU. Yourself. I'm not superstitious, just a little stitious. <laughs> um, That's a good line. There's uh, so outside of kind of what we talked about today. Are there any like national storylines that we, that when we uh, you know Fran Fraschilla comes to town or whatever that they're going to be talking about that we as just Iowa State fans in our little Iowa State bubble are missing in the Big Twelve? so broad what do you mean like give me more direction here so basketball football mainly for basketball so like going for the rest of the season because texas like texas front court being down and being able to can they resurrect that front court or kansas like one of the things with kansas a, a friend of mine is a kansas fan uh he they lose to ucf everyone's light the hair on fire burn everything we suck every year bill self Loses a game they shouldn't in early January. Sometimes too. And then out of nowhere, they put it together, <laughs> rip off like 10 of 11 and win the conference. Uh, things like that, like those are the, like, the storylines that sort of I feel like would lead a show. Are there any storylines that would lead a show that we didn't talk about, or at least for us to be aware of in our own little biased little brains? Well, normally you're looking at a conference champion that has like two, maybe three losses. How many losses will the Big 12 champion have this year? Yeah, five, six, at least. Because wasn't it thir- uh, 13 and five won it last year, I think? Yes, yes, yes. Five losses last year. So, and the conference is probably better. This, I, the conference is better this year than it was last year. They're yeah. adding a top five program in Houston. So not everybody plays everybody, but yeah, I, I think five, six, seven law. I mean, and right now, Ken Palm, which how much do you put, you know, some people put a lot of stock in Ken Palm. The projection for Ken Palm has Kansas going, finishing six to 10 and eight in the conference. So like that's, <laughs> that is what the numbers think of the conference right now. It is wide open. So like, that's your story is, you know, I don't know how deep in a conference play we're going to know how many losses it's going to take to win the conference. So it's like normally you get to it and it's like, oh, man, if this team has three losses, like Houston could work on its third loss in conference. You know, years past, it's like they have three losses in conference. It's over. Now I don't I don't think that's the case. Houston's still very much alive, even at one and three. So I think that's the storyline nationally. Jeff, I was thinking your storyline was going to be something more along the lines of TJ stops holding Omaha on the bench and he becomes our leading scorer to end the season. But uh, uh, by the way, I don't think TJ, TJ has gotten he's just gotten a lot funnier and more outgoing and like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like years past, he's just been so like gruff and like I'm coach. And now he's just way more willing to joke. Like I've had him out a few times. We joked about his his schmedium shirts like he just seems way more comfortable. I don't know. He's I, he's I, awesome. I, I imagine it's probably easier to be in like a good mood when you when you have confidence that you're going to score 55 points. <laughs> it's probably a little bit easier a little bit less stressful of a day when it's not when your entire offense isn't geez i hope gabe kalsher makes a three today because <laughs> if he doesn't if we are screwed oh jazz coons you want to make a corner pocket three go <laughs> one man if only they can go 55 percent for the free throw line that'd be something that'd be nice <laughs> oh my god 60 percent for the free throw line that'd be nice man yeah. my god live at large that was so hard i mean it was fun to watch them win but like especially coming from uh now granted they were terrible the two and 20 year in what is it 2020 
when they're just awful. And it was hard to watch. Uh, Steve Proms, was that Steve Proms? Steve Proms last year. year. But like going from the last time that you kind of really pay attention to Iowa State basketball being up pace or up tempo prone and then hoy ball. And then they go get really bad and then they start getting really good again, but they cannot shoot (laughs) at all. That was such a jarring thing that the fan base took a little bit to get used to, to be like, we're cheering for defense now. We are not cheering for points. We want this game to be 43 to 39. That's what this final score needs to be. So that was, I don't know, that took a while to to get used to. It's great. And somehow they went to a sweet 16 in year one doing that. Like that's crazy to think about. You know, that they – and look, I mean, so much of winning in the tournament as we saw that year and, and for Kansas too, who won the tournament that year, you know, so much of it is your draw and just having the right the right draw and getting the right teams in the right situation because that they took advantage of teams that weren't great offensively that year. But, yeah, I mean – and it's funny because it's like in sports you can't have everything all the time. You know, like you have this elite defense and you can't do anything on offense. And now it's like, well, the offense is better. Well, how good's the defense? Defense is good, but is it elite is as elite as it's been? Probably not. Well, I mean, we'll see when it comes to the you know the end of the year, but I don't know that, how, how good their rim protection is gonna end up being. We'll see. Um Ward, I think Ward will give him a different look there. But uh Yeah, man, he's uh since, since he's coming back for his injury, he's been special. Just lob city, just sauce it up there and he's gonna throw it down. Well, but especially on the defensive end, that's where they need his athleticism because that's what they don't have. Yeah, and that's that's something, you know, when Iowa State brought in Oshun, Oshuni, we know we really thought he was going to be a, a big rim protector. And not that he was disappointing because he had – We kind of like screwed great. up his knees by the end of the year too. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, nice season. But, yeah, we haven't really had like a true like rim protector. And I think that's something that, you know, Hassan brings to us. So glad yeah. that he's, he's healthy and back out there. So I've, I've said the entire time um, – I'm just I'm stupid with predictions. I've said that Iowa State's floor is is an elite eight this year, um, but like you said, it is it is floor. Don't, wow, you, you look surprised. Um, well, I, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, what's their ceiling then? Uh, that's what I was going to ask you. <laughs> elite eight. <laughs> the floor is the ceiling is the floor. I mean, ceiling is the roof, man. I, you know, look, I I think. So much of how you judge teams is based on like, all right, where can they slip up? Like, wh- what are the flaws here? You know, and and so that will change and you hope to mask some of your flaws in certain situations. But over the course of a season, we'll know who these teams flaws are. I think you look at Iowa State. Um, what would you guys say is their flaw right now? I would say they've made so in the Oklahoma game they made three three pointers against Houston. They made three three pointers against Oklahoma State. I think they made four. So I think collectively in Big 12 play right now, they're shooting like 19% from three. That to me feels like if you like BYU is going to be a big test because BYU is a team that shoots the lights out of the ball. They don't want to get in the paint. They don't want to shoot free throws. They don't really want to play defense that much. They want to, they want to get a track meet and they want to shoot the piss out of the ball. If that, if Iowa state can't at least match that, because you know, you're going to want to, you're going to want to take BYU bring him into a back alley and shove him in a trash can. Like that's the way you want to make that game go. But if you can't, if they don't let you make the game ugly and physical, can you shoot with these better teams? Like that feels like Iowa state's shortcoming right now because they're forcing a ton of turnovers. They have decent with, with Trey King, Robert Jones and Hassan Ward. They've got big guys. So like a team like Kansas, you can elbow Hunter Dickinson in the ribs 45 times, get Trey King out of there. Toss another guy in, elbow him 45 more times. So you can play physical with anybody, but when it gets to be a track meet, can you keep up with a team when they're shooting really, really well 
that feels like Iowa State's shortcoming. And they've got the bodies with me, uh, Momchilovich and Curtis Jones, who have the potential, and Taman as well. Right. They have the potential to shoot it that well, but will they? That's, I don't know. That They haven't shown that they can because against the good teams, they've shot poorly. Well, and Taman was so awful last year shooting the basketball. I mean, it's incredible to think of how well he started this year right now. I mean, he couldn't even, he wasn't even trying to attempt it to shoot the ball. No. Uh, last year so and look i i would i kansas's flaw i think is perimeter shooting and they've got potentially personnel in order to make up for that but so when it comes to like okay how far can this team go it's tough to think you can win consistently in the tournament without consistent three-point shooting like you might be able to win a game or a couple but to make a run you've got to be able to hit hit knock down jump shots i think that's a big flaw for kansas right now too so I would say that's a huge red flag in terms of Iowa State's ability to get to an Elite Eight or a Final Four because it just it, the margins are slimmer when you can't shoot the ball well, right? Like if you have an off night and you're not able to get the ball inside or whatever, sometimes three-point shooting can, can bail you out a little bit when you don't have that and suddenly you find yourself in a situation where you've got to hit shots and knock down and they're giving you perimeter jump shots and you can't do it. I think like eventually you're going to run into a team that's going to force you to do that. Like you can win and survive a weekend in the, the NCAA tournament potentially without doing that. But I think that's a flaw that eventually comes out like Baylor last year, their flaw, they, they couldn't, they weren't good defensively. And so it's like, yeah, they can outscore teams. They've got an elite offense, but over the course of that many basketball games, you're fl- like, you're not able to overcome that. And that's what happens. So when it comes to figuring out how far a team can go, I always look at like, what's their flaw. And I think there are certain flaws that are just impossible to overcome. Do you think that um, playing in the Big 12 Conference, yes, it is the best conference in the country. Do you think that is a positive but can also be a negative when coming into the tournament and that it it's just it's a rock fight night after night after night and guys are just beat up? Do you think that can hinder a team? Obviously, matchups do come into play and, and you got to shoot the ball well, but do you think that playing in the, in, in the conference night and night out or just constantly getting beat up could – potentially hinder a team when it comes to yeah i mean we know it does because that's why the nba has rest days like they do for players right like they they want their best players to not to take the pound and the grind of playing night and night out i there's probably no more uh physical league in college basketball than the big 12 so i yeah i think over over the course of a season that pounding you know can have a negative toll so i like i think on the one hand the positive is you're playing in really tough environments night in and night out and like so that can get you ready to play in a tournament type setting where it's, you know, it's just, you got to get yourself amped up to play in really tough environments. Um, and, and the nerves of playing in those environments, those kinds of things, have, having to measure those. But yeah, I think it absolutely adds up over the course of a season. I mean, you, you get to the end of any season in sports and you talk about like health, nobody's fully healthy. Everybody's just going off of the, whatever fumes they have over the course of the season, but lingering maladies and issues like that. I think they're exacerbated in this conference. Absolutely. What Jeff, a, what else you got? I was gonna say, what a what a bright way to finish this. Uh, I don't know. I think I feel like this is a uh, is insightful, and it's also nice to know that people do care about Iowa State, even if you are forced to be in a room with somebody who went to Iowa State most mornings, or even a digital room, even if you're not recording exactly together. So thanks for giving. Of course, people Iowa care State. about Iowa State. Look, I, and and by the way, I I've told you this before, Jeff. I told Chris this. I've I told everybody. Like, I love Cyclone Fanatic. I'm not just saying that because I'm on this. Like, I listen to you guys all the time. I you guys do fantastic work. It's one of the like the websites I go to when I'm looking at. I mean, it is the first website I go to when looking through for Iowa State coverage. So you guys do a fantastic job. 
and you guys cover it so well and it's not just covering it and getting great insights but also like just the bs between all of the guys it's it's fun it's it's fantastic and i love it um but like when when texas and ou made the decision to leave the conference and it looked like the big 12 might not exist anymore like here we were whether it was lords kansas or ames iowa or manhattan kansas or stillwater oklahoma i think it was all these college towns across this conference that had been together for so long and it was like yeah we we do matter we do matter and we are we are a lot bigger than you think we are and i know that like sounds kitschy and hilarious in in some regards but like it looked like we were going to die and the big 12 is not going to exist anymore. And all these teams in this conference were not going to exist anymore. And you know what? The strength of this conference, the strength of the fans of this conference, I'm not just saying this lifted the conference up to a point to where, where they made the decision to bring in Brett Yormark. He leveraged the eyeballs this conference had, which is everybody that's listening to this right now, with all the fans in Ames and Manhattan and Lawrence and Stillwater and, and Lubbock and, and on and on and on. All of those eyeballs became the huge deal that the Big 12 was able to pull together to get ESPN and, and, and Fox to agree to do an extension, which then allowed for the Pac-12 to crumble, which allowed the Big 12 to thrive and survive and exist. I'm not saying that's going to be here forever, and I think the next 10 years, we'll see if the Big 12 has the survival instinct in it. But it is the strength of this conference, and these, these towns and these states were – our support is what kept this conference alive and thriving. And it's these environments that keeps this conference alive and thriving. It's Hilton Coliseum. It's Allen Fieldhouse. It's, it's all these incredible environments, guys. That's what it is. That's what did this. Man, there's, that's a way to end it. You have my vote, sir. You have my vote. <laughs> I was going to tell him what my thoughts were on uh, Hunter Dickinson and Rob Jones, but I, I think I might that. <laughs> we'll keep we'll that out of it. Well, it's, a, it's something about a locker and stealing a girlfriend. I, I, I'm just guessing that's what it is. <laughs> yes. Well, thanks. He's a great. Coming. He's a great heel. That's oh, 100. He's a perfect 100%. heel. Uh, well, thanks for coming on, Ari. This is good. Thanks yeah, for asking me. Thank you. Like I said, I'm I'm constantly listening and checking out Cyclone Fanatics. So thanks for asking me. This is uh, it's been a lot of fun for me too. Appreciate it. That was uh that was fun, man. I I, I said kind of before that it just guy knows what he's doing talking wise, and I feel like like the very end there. It's caucus day as I think, is it caucus day today or tomorrow? Anyway, it's one or two days. Uh, if that's a stump speech, I'm voting for Ari Temkin. I don't know what, it, I don't know what it's for, but I'm voting for Ari Temkin. Yeah. I, I wanted to just stand up and walk to Dallas and give him a high five. Just, I don't know what that was. That was great. It's just incredible. Uh, me the funk up. I don't know if they will. So Iowa state this week has wrote two road games for the men. I think the ro- the women have one home game or one home game on Saturday. They have one road game early in the week. We'll see how that goes. We'll be back with uh, with kicking it next week. Hopefully after another satisfactory basketball week. Yeah, um, the men are ranked 24th. I see. I'm not sure if the women, um, if if that uh, the rankings have come out yet. Got to think. Also 24th. Hey, go. couple hey, 24th. 24 across the boards. That's right. So. Um, playing good ball. I mean, playing just great ball right now. The, the, the women are sitting atop the Big 12. Uh, I think they're tied with uh, Kansas State right now. So cool. Uh, yeah, and the men are uh, – I mean, the, the, the men's Big 12 is just a big cluster right now, but it, it'll sort itself out. So fun league, great time to be a Cyclone fan right now. So um, if you have nothing else to say, Jeff, I will uh, thank our loyal fans. Uh, still listening to the, to the show, still tuning in. And as always, remember, adopt, don't shop. <laughs>